All right. Hey, Gundam Maniacs, welcome to the Gundam Explained show. It is, oh my God, I just took off my glasses. I got to put them back on. It is uh, June 8th, 2023. Um, I'm Adam Blue, captain of this white base class Pegasus or Pegasus class white base, depending on your background, yeah. but I guess it doesn't matter. But joining me, one of the top tier crew members or my number one, Steven. <laughs> Eight H. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> nah, how you doing, buddy? This is this is fun. I'm I'm glad that we're. I I love that you open with the date every time because I'm like this is like proof of life. You know, yeah. it's like the, the isn't there a Twitter account of just David Lynch saying it's Friday every Friday? Oh, right. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I started that because of other podcasts I'd listen to and they'd say the date and that sometimes helps reframe or contextualize the conversation if I'm listening to an older podcast or something. You know, due to oh, a yeah. search. So I, I think that kind of helps uh, sometimes. What do you mean these guys didn't know the Witch from Mercury was canceled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, but no, real Idiot. quick, uh, just shout out Robert, always first on here. Thank you. Neo X, Ultronimus, Skimo, GMCal X, Brian Zanicelli, Pinelli, maybe? Uh, WebFox, uh, Soka. Oh, I don't think uh, I've seen you around. But yeah, hey, uh, good to see you all. Um, yeah, no, today, um, cool show. Uh, we're going to talk about Starship Troopers. It's an IP I like, but there's a lot of stuff that has been synchronizing with my love of Gundam. So I thought we'd jump into a little bit of that. Um, also, you know, with a little bit of GBO2, we'll talk about not too much, but it has the new suit that's out today is related to Echoas or Echoes, depending on your region of the world. Um, that I'd like to talk about that team because that's a pretty badass team, introducing Unicorn. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Steven, man, how you doing? We had, uh, fun yesterday. It was, a uh, like the board game, video game Gundam talk. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, sorry if I was very intense and like bouncing all over the place, I get really excited about, uh, tabletop gaming as you might, uh, imagine, but yeah, it was, it was fun recontextualizing that in terms of other popular IPs and adapting video game mechanics. It was a good conversation. Yeah. No, it always is because I think we like video games at the same level, but you have a lot of knowledge in like physical gaming, like board games and stuff that I actually don't. And and it was cool to learn about like how much miniatures play a role in, in these more uh, uh, adult board games in terms of, you know, not family kid games, but like, and then there's so many, like every IP has a board game with miniatures almost. Yeah, it, it's it's like a thing nowadays. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, you know, um, to, to start, I would just want to talk about some Gundam-related stuff I've gotten to this week. I've been back at working on the Zeta uh, Verka, so just got hey, arms, good. part of the back binder done. Um, so uh, now how I, do you feel about the little flaps underneath the chest vents? Yeah, it, it's a weird thing. It's it's it kind of goes to what I was saying with these Verkaz, how they don't necessarily feel super solid. There's just something about the way you put them together where they're it's just for the looks, you know, and I guess it's OK, like how easy the arms just just come <laughs> off on it, like because it's part of the transformation. But it it doesn't take much to and, <laughs> Yeah, it's the same thing with my victory, the V2, the arm, the lower arm just comes off. And it's, it, but that's the thing. I think though, and I don't want to hate on it because the Verka, it, it kind of, it, it makes its own unique line 
that's kind of different yeah. than the uh, general mm -hmm. master grade. It's the one one hundred scale, but it's about the visuals. It's like taking that unique artistic look. It's it's a so. Verkock work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. Exactly. Um. So. Um. Yeah. I've been working on that, and then. The only other Gundam things really I've been involved with is just playing a bunch of GBO2 now that it's on PC. I know yeah. there's a lot of issues, and I don't know how much—it's very interesting, okay? Because anytime a game comes out, you hear people complain about having issues. I do think there's legitimate network issues, but I also assume a lot of people are actually playing okay because there are— in the thousands more people playing it than Gundam Evolution at a given time. Yep. And at a given time, it's just as many people playing Jedi Survivor on Steam. That, and I think that's a... Because I was thinking, what is a current popular game that people are playing right now that's a big IP? And I was thinking it was going to be way more. But no, it was uh, in the same range. Um, uh, that's, that's very compelling. Because yeah. I feel like... You know, a lot of people always, and I think that a lot of it comes down to you, the people who complain are always going to be the loudest. Yeah. Like anyone who's not experiencing issues is going to be like, no, game runs fine for me. I, I, wh why would I go to Twitter and complain that the game yeah. is running fine? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, the fact that a lot of people suggest that Gundam is not popular in the West or like, you know, that maybe Gundam uh, fandom is waning. I would I would go so far as to say that Western gamers tend to be more tend to skew more PC than yeah. Japanese gamers. I think that if you were to like get a country by country demographic breakdown of the people playing GBO two, you're going to see a lot more of them in Europe and the United States than. I think so. No, I think yeah. that's true. And the the other thing that's interesting too is how. Like, yeah, despite these issues, there are still people, you know, enjoying it. And some of the issues seem like they're network related, but some, and I've helped a couple people in the Discord server, had to do with graphic settings where I don't know if it's the game or just their PC in general, but it defaults to integrated graphics if they have that. And so whenever you go to load the match, it's too much on the PC and it, so I, you know, I sent over a screenshot to some of the contacts I have at Bandai saying, hey, here's what I've come across three times of the integrated graphics issue and so it go. could be a bunch of different things and and the other thing too is what's interesting about gbo2 is it's a ps3 based engine right yeah that is yeah. now being ported to pc and it's peer-to-peer -peer networking instead of server-based there's actually a lot of things that could go wrong with that a lot of variables that you really can't account for <laughs> in and, oh, and, and it's not even on the devs like you yeah you know you sometimes you spec for like the most average PC you can because there's so much variance in PC builds themselves. Yeah, that, like you can't you can't optimize for the best built PC because the majority of the people playing are not going to be on the most optimized PC. And that is a problem that's across gaming right now. It's been big in the past few years. It has to do with DirectX 12 shader compilations where a lot of these games are coming out pushing the the graphics as high as they can but then the end user has to then wait through shader compilation or as they're playing the game there is stutter and and the thing with that is enough people are buying the games to where then that's not an issue for the publisher they're just like well we yeah. can still push it so <laughs> yeah no that that is very interesting um uh 
the cat is jumping around. On her <laughs> yeah, own. I've, I've got the dog underneath me <laughs> right now, so. <laughs> no, it's like, the, I, I like it how sometimes the cat just plays with a ghost or something. It's just going wild, but anyway. Um, no, and then, um, yeah, so, and then, luckily, because of awesome members in our server, I've been getting so much training. I, I am so happy now with when I play GBO2 because... When I first started, and I think there's no shame in this, when I first started playing back in 2017, 2018, whenever it came out in the Asian regions, I would play. I didn't know about enhancing my unit, slapping on parts, but I had fun just being in the mobile suit, feeling clunky and like a robot. <laughs> but now that I'm playing with a fresh account on PC, like I know all the new tips. It's like, okay, I know what parts to go get. And I'm having fun. Competitive. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having fun playing as units I, never, I normally wouldn't. Like, um, th there's, uh, this, uh, what is it? Um, Gira Zulu. No, I don't know if it was that one. One of the Giras. Um, maybe it is that one, but it, uh, it's an awesome raid that has this like helicopter, like heavy attack with its, um, what the, it's not a beam saber. It's that double-sided beam saber, like on the, the, uh, Gelgoogs or whatever, but, um, yeah. it, b playing a little more crazier than i normally would because i am feeling a lot more comfortable i'm i'm learning the basics um that's awesome so yeah for anyone out there that wants to learn that stuff i've got playlists i think we have do, do keyboard and mouse or do you do gamepad on gamepad no yeah. i don't know if that's a joke but no way i do keyboard and mouse <laughs> with this game you know believe it or not there are people out there that are playing keyboard and mouse and yeah. i i'm like you, it's, you're insane it's, it's yeah i know it's what and i've always loved this uh my boss at my job, I remember when, when I first got the job, we were talking about games and how he beat Dark Souls on PC. And I was like, oh, that's cool to meet someone that's beaten it. And then he mentioned it was on keyboard and mouse. And I'm like, wow, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'd have to really practice, but I'm just, when it comes to third person, you know, action yeah. in uh, like controller, it's just easier. Well, because the big thing is that, uh, you know, the mouse look, for GBO2 is not optimized the way that it would be for a first-person shooter, and that's exactly. because the turn speed of mobile suits is a stat in the game. You can't. Yeah. It's not one-to-one so -one aiming. It's just how yeah. fast that. And what's cool that I've learned is there's parts I can slap on to make the turning speed faster, and that exactly has made right. a big difference. And it's like, wow, <laughs> exactly right. So. That is the most valuable part. Honestly, I used to spec <laughs> all of my builds where it was like, I just want strengthened leg armor i want a strengthened frame i want strengthened frame level five i want to max out my hit points to where i'm like i've got a zaku 2 that's got like you know thirty thousand hit points or something <laughs> like that oh um, yeah that but no i have learned yeah no it's it's great um and yeah so really my week has just been spent when it comes to gundam that gbo2 and then kind of working on the zeta usually it's when i'm in like a work meeting that i don't need to necessarily be super active so i'll just kind of sit there and build on the side it reminds me i didn't think about this until later i don't know if you've watched the wire before the show the yeah. wire there's that guy and i forget his name where he would sit there and build little uh furniture or something crafts uh yeah. the detective and i thought that was just kind of a neat thing because i can i think that's kind of a busy sort of thing to be doing it's better than scrolling reddit which, yeah, don't be doom scrolling. Doom scrolling, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we, that's like one of my favorite uh, things about like Law and Order is like there's this 
there's there's that trope of the fact that every time they go to interview someone they're at their job and so it's like they're loading bags of flour on the oh, stuff and yeah, they're like that's no, right. i didn't see him over there i haven't seen that guy <laughs> that's since exactly last week. It. you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's always someone loading a truck or taking something <laughs> off of a truck and then they stop and hang their arm on it and they're like yeah i haven't seen him in like 5 days and <laughs> yeah it's yeah that's funny um uh no but um and that's cool because there's this that show evil i think I've, I've no i've mentioned it to you i don't know if i've mentioned it on the podcast but i was watching an episode last night where one of the you know the people that are considered evil it's very it's not black and white let me just say like it's not like it's it's very well done but they have this office set up where they they create articles and post things to get people to continue to doom scroll and they even say it make people doom scroll we want doom scrolling that's yeah. that's like it's considered evil and i like how they're using that in the show that way because i um you know speaking of that it's like i i would i talked about on here that i would go visit reddit and like if, if you're on reddit it's just you got to be careful but i actually the other day uninstalled reddit from my phone because i i was just like you know what there's enough of this stuff i see i waste my time with be, seeing people be mean is what it is and i feel like i have to be like don't be me but no i was like i'm gonna install it i'm not even gonna yeah i mean there are enough bad takes out there um yeah you know you can't respond to every single one of them so i know so and what's funny is i then got uh on youtube i was what do you call it when they suggest a video about uh like someone reading a hundred books in a year and i'm like wow i haven't even done a book in a lifetime no not really but um i i was watching the video and she was talking about how part of it was anytime she thought she wanted to scroll on her phone she would just start reading a book like keep a book somewhere around and i even thought about that for when i'm going to the bathroom i want to stop bringing my phone and i want to because that can trigger something i could be scrolling because i'm bored and be like oh look at this and then i Change the well, rest yeah, of my I mean, day. that's that's part of the reason that I've started bringing Gumpla to the toilet with me so that I'm not on my phone while ah, I'm pooping. I, there you I, go. <laughs> there you go. You, you get real time weathering. OK, that might be gross, but <laughs> no, um, but, no, that's but yeah, cool. No, like you said, you know, if, if you're struggling to get through your Gumpla backlog, maybe instead of picking up your phone, pick up a kit. That's a good idea because it's really your mind is just trying to find something to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And. But yeah, no, let's move on because the other thing that I've been doing because really I've just been playing GBO2 and building the Zeta is because of that Starship Troopers game that came out on PC, it's in early access, it's exactly what I would want out of Starship Troopers game, it got me back into that series because I've loved it. I saw the first movie in the theater where my friend's parents dropped us off and then I think we couldn't buy the ticket so we had to call them to come back and buy the ticket because it was rated R, but it was still like... <laughs> watching that movie it was like it changed you know that's around the time like army of darkness a few years later starship troopers and then blade that's when i was like man movies are awesome uh, i want to get into that Peak cinema. yeah and, really... and so i watched starship troopers and i i was showing my son but i skipped through some things that are probably questionable but um yeah we but, see enough of dizzy <laughs> yeah yeah no, all right but it's 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 just awesome like to see how cool like he thought it was where you have all these troops fighting these swarms you know but also it's like like i did at the time i didn't get the um subtext or you know what yes. it was trying to so i wasn't really you know talking about that stuff but then i decided you know what i'm gonna watch the third movie again because i remember watching it once and not liking it but i know for sure the second movie 
was not good. Like that one, I won't watch again. But what's sad about it is it was directed by the the visual effects director Phil Tippett. So yeah. it was more like they needed a director. They didn't know what to do, so they just asked him to direct it. So the special effects on the second one are great, but nothing else. And yeah. I mean, anyway, the third movie is way better than I thought it was, even though I can still see its flaws. I think I'm better nowadays at like seeing through flaws to see intent. And there's a there's a movie I think you've mentioned before that somehow you still enjoy, despite the fact that other people maybe have sour opinions about it. I think it's a G Savior. G Savior. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good example, man. That's, Which, again, ties into Starship Troopers since they reuse those props. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And not only that, but Starship Troopers 3 is directed by a Japanese director who directed full, I think it's called Full Metal Panic Maddox yeah. or whatever from the 80s. It's that same director. And, and so I thought, wow, that's interesting because then he went on to direct the two other sequels that were uh, CGI. Um, yeah. It's like Starship Troopers Invasion and then Starship Troopers... Something of Mars, I forget. But and those I, didn't have anything to do with Roughnecks, the the CGI right. series. Right? Yeah, that was something separate, which is another cool thing that I'm gonna revisit. I, I, I back when that came out, I remember telling my mom to wake me up. Like even though it came on before school, I asked her to wake me up even earlier because they had it on like super early. I don't remember any of it. I remember being half asleep, like trying to like watch it and like bowl of cereal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I need to revisit that. Um, but. So Starship Troopers 3 is really good, actually, even though I think what it does that a lot of low-budget movies do is it has this middle section where characters are just talking for like an hour because they can't afford, you know. Right. But it does, the, it does the propaganda ads throughout, which is so cool. cool. It has the mech, the Marauder, which didn't look too great, but I, I like the idea, the concept. You can appreciate yeah. that, you know, an attempt was made. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly how I felt. Um, and, um, uh, and it has Casper Van Dien. It's always cool when there's the legacy connection there because he even does the voice of Johnny Rico for the newest CGI movie. Traitor of Mars is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so what was interesting was I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and watch that Starship Troopers anime from the 80s and it's on youtube for free and it has i think it's about six episodes maybe more i've gone through the first four and it's 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 produced by bandai it it does seem like a lower quality anime in general but like it's it's more based on the book which is really cool because they they talk about like the training like they go through it's very similar to what i remember in the book they have the power armor uh, which that's not full on mechs, but it's you know close enough. Oh, um, sweet, yeah. yeah. Reminds me of um, what is it? Uh, was it exosuits? The Exo Squad. Exo Squad. Yeah. Oh, God, I love, love those toys. I know. <laughs> I know. I and I still have one of mine. It's that the bad guy, the purple, uh, Phaeton. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd like to get more of those, but but so um, they. But what's interesting about watching the anime based on the book is how much the movie still really recaptured from the book similar to how the anime did it. And I don't know how much the movie was influenced by the anime um, because they have a lot of the same beats in the same orders. You know, they have like the whole football game, you know, they're graduating and he likes Carmen and you know, the yeah. whole, 
you know, the whole thing, you know, that's all similar. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, again, another example, and I've been talking about in the past few episodes where it's how much Japanese culture really does influence the things I'm into. Because oh, yeah. having the fact that they made a Starship Troopers anime in the 80s, I bet that lend, it bet probably lent itself to adapting the book to a movie because a lot of Hollywood movies in the 90s and 2000s were adapting stuff from anime. I mean, The Matrix is a good example of that. Um, yeah, yeah. I and, mean, well, Hollywood likes to have like a, a proof of concept. So it's like whether hmm. it's a comic book, whether it's a TV show, they like That's to have to something it. that they can say like, okay, we have a, a material here that we can make something out of. Yeah. No, that's a good way to put it, um, and it's almost a safe way to do it, but it's funny when the proof of concept turns out to be the Mario Brothers movie back in the 90s, which was crazy, but <laughs> unique on its own, you know, yeah. like, it, it, that's, a, that's a funny thing. Um, but <laughs> what I wanted to do real quick is, oops, I didn't mean to do that, and I'm going to actually real quick share this with you, Stephen. Um, oh, yeah. This, so this is... The from the Starship Troopers anime from the eighties, this is the mech that they used. Although I don't know where you draw a line between a mech and a power suit, you know? Yeah. Or power yeah, armor. A good, uh, good question. Well, to, to to rope in the tabletop aspect, Stars Without Number, which is a fantastic tabletop RPG, sci-fi, all mecha, whether it's a, just a power suit like this or whether it's a Gundam-sized, you know what what have you they're all just mecha okay so you know what i if i'm cool with that yeah. it could be that this type of mecha is called a power armor there you, you know, go that, yeah so and it's cool because in yeah the starship troopers anime this is the what the the troops use right away it's based on the book like the book did that um another interesting thing is you know again this is produced by bandai so i wonder whenever they were to make the anime of starship troopers how much of what they came up with was based on the popularity of Gundam being a little more grounded and realistic with war I mean, and I even see some Votoms uh yeah that's inspiration true. in there a little bit. Like I see like that chest looks very scope doggy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean I even that... kind of the general more domed top uh yeah. in a way. I mean, it's not necessarily but it has the uh little sensor on the top. It has the visor. It has yeah. the vents. It reminds um, me a lot of like, you know, you, you we love how Star Wars, basically everything Star Wars was like kit bashed, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they just took like model kits and glued them together in interesting ways to create the ships. And well, good yeah. that you brought that up because the other thing that I got was this book on Amazon, um, Mad Dreams and Monsters. So Phil Tippett, the guy who did um, uh, the Starship Troopers stuff. He also did the AT-ATs. Well, he did the Cantina Aliens, but he also did the AT-ATs and Empire Strikes Back. He did Jurassic Park. He did Blade Two. Um, Hell of a resume. <laughs> so it's funny because I think yesterday we were talking about. I think you and I were talking about like in Blade Two, they had to pull back Guillermo del Toro from making it where the vampires opened their heads and another one came out. I wonder if it was the special effects guy, Phil Tippett, saying, no, that's too much. Let's just make their jaws open and yeah. latch on. But, what's, I mean, this book is heavy. It's 500 pages. It even has a arachnid on the cover. And that it's a serious poem. It 
it has so much like movies that he even worked on that were then like canceled but it shows all the oh. stuff he came up with um in what was really cool about when they were talking about starship troopers was how they would have four people and just four people only that would review they would anytime there was a they would show the flood of arachnids they'd have four people have their own section and they would watch it until there was an inconsistency or something wrong. They would tweak it and then watch it again every day until it all looked perfect. And that's why it looked so good. It was that attention to detail and the time to make it right. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, it's pretty awesome. And I think, and it's funny because I feel like that's what makes a lot of this Japanese storytelling effective, especially the adult-themed stuff. It's because of that attention to detail. So it makes mm -hmm. sense that this Japanese anime from an American book was then adapted as an American movie in a way. And then now the Japanese have kind of taken over the franchise. The last two movies have been a Japanese director that yeah. made an 80s anime. So, again, just well, kind of that cool. It, and I think that, uh, you know, you and I talked about this yesterday. To me, you know, the medium is part of the art, right? So a lot of people oh, complain yeah. that, like, the, the 90s film was not close to the book, like, at all. And, um, and, and that's fine because the film was trying to do something different than the book was. And yeah. so, you know, they cut out entire sections and, you know, you didn't have the power suits and stuff like that. Because basically they were trying to communicate the message of, like, the propaganda and the the campiness of it and that uh what is it jingoism <clears throat> yeah and, and i think that the movie nailed what it was trying to do that's uh, right like it, it instead of you know in the book there's different aliens and they're a little different the yeah. the movie does good idea of just focusing on the bug aspect and yep. making that the main antagonist while the characters are living through the world um but you would even, as an adult or something, might think, oh, the, the world is the antagonist almost. But no, that's more of a dressing for the bad guy being the bug. You know, it's, it's yeah. very interesting. Um, anyway, I, I just wanted to bring up the whole Starship Troopers thing because I, I find it fascinating how much there's these parallels with yeah. how I'm getting into anime and the Japanese storytelling and how I've always liked Starship Troopers. And it's just in line with, you know... Um, yeah, and, and it's very similar to like you know Gundam Igloo, like the way that uh, oh, yeah. they kind of framed that whole uh, propaganda aspect the same way that Starship Troopers did, where you know it's like oh everyone be afraid of the Zuda, like that's the... yeah no that's a good point that makes me want to watch MS Igloo more because it is like a little Starship Troopers series and probably about the same quality CGI <laughs> yeah no really um, and that so I want to bring up something so in the third movie. They had a, and it's not on this page, but it had like the mech. It didn't, it was okay. It was cool that it was a mech. It was called the Marauder. So in Invasion, they have the, the it which, which is the sequel to that, the CGI sequel. They had the Marauder Mark II, which is a play, you know, in the first place, I think the Marauders are a play on the power suits from the book. So it's cool that they're introducing those concepts. But I love yeah. how the Mark, the Marauder Mark II, plus I like the Mark II and Gundam. I know that's kind of a, general uh, uh term but um if you guys ever have a chance to watch starship troopers invasion i think you would love it johnny rico gets his marauder mark ii i mean fighting aliens in a mech is awesome stuff anyway you know so yeah, you can't get much better than that yeah i know um but yeah so have you have you seen all the starship troopers movies or just the first one 
No, I mean, I fell off like I watched the first two movies and I watched Roughnecks, but cool. I have not seen the anime. Now now that I know that it's uh, on YouTube, yeah. I'll link to it. Yeah. Yeah. Later. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check that out. And uh, but yeah, like you said, if, if there's if there's even bigger, badder mechs in these later movies, then count me. Yeah. In. You know, one last thing I want to end with that I, I find interesting with uh, uh, Starship Troopers 3 is there's the sky captain who is like the main captain. Everyone sees the person. They talk about what's going on in the Federation, all that stuff. In Starship Troopers 3, they're also a singer, idol, and a Japanese director. <laughs> you know, that's a Macross thing go. moving on to Seed. That's like, so that's yeah. another interesting theme that carries over. Um, uh, yeah, because at, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, the Sky Captain's singing uh, at a concert. And I'm like, wow, this is like when I was watching Seed or even Macross. Like, it's the, the same thing. Japanese director. It's fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. It's... Oh, I was going to say, we got a super, cha uh, super chat oh. from James Calex. Uh, mobile suits were inspired by the power armor as Tamino wanted a mech that didn't only appeal to kids. I'm just doing my part. <laughs> wow. Oh, you know what? I have never heard that before, but that's, it would make sense that Tamino had to have read Starship Troopers because his oh, yeah. book, I have the book, uh, the original book, and it has that same feeling when you're reading it. Like, the book came out, what, in the 60s? The Starship Troopers, 59. Yeah. 59, yeah. Which is crazy to think. Yeah, and so it would make sense that Tamino would have read that and, and came up with, you know, this idea. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's cool. Thanks, yeah, Jam Kellex, for that super chat. I appreciate that, and that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Moving on. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about real quick was in GBO two we got another Jagan, but the Echoes or Echoes. I know in Unicorn in the dub they say Echoes, but I have been corrected multiple occasions that it's Echoes. Really? I don't know. That's, but, uh, that's news to me. I've not, uh, I've not heard that pronunciation. But, but this is what's cool about this suit. It's specifically Conroy Hogginson's. Um, yes. Everybody suit. loves the Conroy variant. But, but that's really cool that uh, you know, and they've done this with Vincent Gleisner and um, uh, what's his name, Schneid. Uh, oh, Doug Schneid. Doug Schneid, exactly. I like that in GBO two. They call out those specific like ace suits. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's cool that th just another cool suit in, in GBO two, if you want. And I like how they always add neat, interesting things to me. It seems like this is like, and I could be wrong. I was waiting for Talos to correct me. It's like the Federation version of the, the Gira Zulu, which was a raid unit that had this beam gun that could stagger enemies easily. And this one has the same, um, yeah, but, the the uh, the first mobile suit that carries a handgun, which is <laughs> like pretty cool. Is it the first mobile suit that carries a handgun? I'm pretty sure. I mean, well, unless you count the the beam spray gun, but yeah, like no, the, the, yeah. the Conroy Jagan I can't think is of like the one that's yeah. yeah. And I think later on they just added like in Code Fairy, there's or it was um the Battle Alliance. They added that new GM Gathrode. I think that has handguns unless i'm thinking go, of the yeah. one from code fairy but yeah is that really yeah i can't really think of any other handguns well, we typically have like rifles or something like a, a larger yeah larger that's a weapon, good point but... and then i like the idea then it would be like robocop how these mobile suits could have their like thigh open and then they can take <laughs> out a handgun 
Exactly. Or like Pat Labor. Oh yeah, that's right. I yeah, started they, they that the... and haven't finished it. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I need to finish that. Yeah, so that's... with so Equas, I, I like it's like Navy SEALs because it's like Earth yeah. Colony asteroid. I, I love that idea, and I also like how they're like special forces, but they're like good guy special forces within the Federation. Because in Unicorn, you know, there was the where the Federation was kind of bad, it, or you know, an aspect of it had yeah. influence, and but they were like they kind of knew what was best because. Normally, you know, in some fiction, there's the special forces that are doing what they're told to do. And so they're like a formidable bad guy. But yeah, um, that, that makes these guys really cool, especially the Dakuza Mackle character, like the how he would talk with Benajer and all that. You know, uh, he, you know, he comes off as he would be like this mean bad guy, but he's like really a, a cool badass. Um, yeah, he's got like a code of honor. And yeah, like, that's a good know, way to put it. Um, yeah, integrity that, that's that's something that you come across i think occasionally in, in all gundam series I, I i touched on it um during one of the you know dissecting oh, gundam it's like you know a, a character like emma like dagaza reminds me of a character like emma where it's like even if they're on a side that's not acting in the best interest of you know everyone uh that individual person has integrity that individual person has a, a code of ethics that they abide by yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, Emma is a good, like, example to really explain anyone that, any character that's like that, because she yeah. literally changed sides to where it, it effectively, and I don't remember the details, but could have harmed what family she had on Earth, you know? Yeah. Um, because they, they could easily hold her family hostage like they did with Camille's parents, you know? It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and same thing with, like, Bright. Bright's another good example of that. Oh, so. yeah, that's right. It, that's what I love. I love Bright's sort of arc in Gundam because at first he was, like, always being the, the typical captain, you know, to his subordinates. But then over mm -hmm. time, by the time you get to Benajer, you see him having, like, a talk with him. And he, like, yeah. recognized since Judo. I think Judo was the first time that he was like, oh, I get what you are. I get, you know, what you're right. doing. Like he well, because he had, that. you know, at that point he had a family, you know, he had Hathaway and he had Shaman. Uh -huh. So it was like, you know, he, he, he knew, I think, better how to be that father figure to the pilots that were in these Gundams, as opposed to like with Amaro and Camille, he was like. Yeah, you know what, that's a, <laughs> that's a very good point. I, I think I've thought of, but never deeply considered when he had his relationship with Judo and with Benajer is... Like he that that point he is a family man and and mm -hmm. sometimes depending on where he's going he's keeping his family in mind like if he can see them or not or whatever and that will make that Hathaway sequel interesting. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So okay, so with the Echoes, yeah, and it even says they were first seen in '94. So um, yeah, the Earth Federation Space Force Special Operations Group Echoes is a unit in charge of detection and cleanup of remnants of the Neozeon forces and other operations that cannot be completed by regular military units. Um, Echoes is authorized to engage in a wide range of activities from military to police affairs and is even empowered to conduct public security investigations, albeit on a limited basis. Now, that almost sounds scary. For them yeah, to have like Judge Dread level, yeah to, <laughs> yeah, to have that sort of power and then can kind of dictate things on behalf of the military. 
Um, mm -hmm. But it says they had a relatively short history, having been established immediately after the second Neo Zeon War, which would be Double Zeta. Uh, second Neo Zeon would be Char. Char's counterattack. Oh, Char's counterattack. That's right. Yeah. I, I feel bad that I don't like it that much because then I always forget it. <laughs> that <laughs> is horrible. <laughs> I know. I, I feel ashamed. I really do. I need to just force myself to watch it a lot to like, get it ingrained in my mind. Yeah, give me um, give me a uh, forty hails of zombies and, and yeah later be, I'll do that later yeah <laughs> no but um okay yeah second years on war of uh yeah ninety three okay yeah there we go uh, a similar mission is carried out by the Federation forces independent task force Londo Bell which is interesting because I always saw Londo Bell as kind of that role they were almost like their own special forces that were kind of used for special operations but I guess. In Unicorn, because of the relationship with the Gundam in the first place, that kind of went against the Vist Foundation's sort of ideas they wanted to use with yeah. Federation. So, well, and Londo Bell kind of had their hands tied because, um, you know, I always think in Char's counterattack when Amuro and Bright are saying, like, you know, let us oversee the, you know, the disarmament of, of Neo Zeon. Right. And uh, it was Quest's father who was like, nah, we're, we're we got this. You guys sit back and watch the show, which, so, as it turns out, is him getting killed. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. So that could mean, and I, I was seeing that that uh, Conroy Hogginson, I think it was 35. So he would have been, you know, 25 or so when all this, you know, the, he, he would have had a history enough of Zeon of a soldier and not high ranks of Federation to know what is right from wrong. You know, yeah. so I can understand the Echoist team then being where they have this kind of power, but not using it for bad, and they're actually using it for good because they've kind of witnessed as soldiers. They're kind of like the good guy Titans. Yeah, like, I like that. This is what the Titans should have been. Yeah, but no, no that's good. I like that. Um, okay, so yeah, I wanted to look at some of the. So yeah, with Echoes, what's interesting is they they're the Jagan seems to be like their main suit, which that was first seen in Shars Counterattack. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Okay. Jagan was first in Shars Counterattack. Okay, so that's what's cool that it's like in Unicorn because that's kind of like a, I guess maybe by Shars Counterattack, like that suit was so good that Special Forces would have it modified for them. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, replace the GM with the Jagan, and then of course, you know, where the Titans got the GM Quell, Echoos got the Jagan. Oh, okay. Or at least okay. that's how I would relate to it. In, in yeah, no, I, I could see that. Yeah, that's and and it's interesting because I would sometimes get the Jagan and the Jesta confused, and I think understandably I... so because I mean, a the name is very similar, and yeah. b the purpose that they serve. I mean, yeah. If if Echoas is like your special forces for the Federation, then the Jestas were like the special forces of the Vis Foundation. So it's kind of like they serve the same role. Yeah, yeah, because I, I would get confused sometimes, like especially that beginning attack, um, you know, with the Kshatriya, and you know, at the beginning, like what it's fighting and all that, and. Uh, but the thing is, these are really cool-looking suits. Like they're really like. Like a GM, like fully realized, I guess. Yeah, um, I would say that that's that's a that's a fair assessment of them. Yeah. Um, 
and then there's that the D50C Lotto, which is really cool because not only is this like a transformable tank mech, but I, but this was also the one that was done by SNRI before they made the F90 and F91, which explains why it's so small. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they uh, they knew that technology early on. Um, yeah, and it's cool because I think. And I need to do this, and I haven't done it. The gumplet that they sell of the lotto, it's two of them, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I need to get that. Because, I mean, a a mecha that looks like this that also transforms into a tank is badass. Like, oh, and then look at that. Long front cannon. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, how much, so, sweet. were there any other... I'm trying to see, were there any other mobile suits uh, the Echoes used other than the... I don't think uh, we got to see them that much. What's that? Because, I mean, I, I don't think we got to see them enough for them to have more than just the... Yeah, it's, it's true. The Dagens and yeah. the... Uh, the Lotto. Yeah. Um, because, I th like you said, they were disbanded before Narrative, right? Or... Did they are they still oh, around? Yeah. No, that's a good question. Let's see. First seen in '94 doesn't say when they're last seen, but you know, it's subdivision manhunters. So yeah, and that's in Hathaway. Ooh. And that huh. manhunter Jagan is really sweet. Okay, so this is connecting a lot of dots that I didn't realize because yeah, we because that manhunter Jagan is more of a police force. And they even, yeah. and we were told about the Echo was, you know, be also policing. So that has kind of helped connect more of the, um, that lore of Echo was. Um, so Shar's Rebellion, yeah. Manhunters were first seen apprehending Quest Pariah and her friends in India. So, okay. And that actually looks like the Echo was uniforms, the soldiers' yeah. uniforms. Very cool. Did not even make that connection. Then we see them uh, during the Laplace incident in Unicorn. Um, and then the Mafti uprising. So, I, you know what? It's, it's interesting, though, because as much as we see them as good guys, did maybe the tables turn or maybe there was a larger presence in the Federation that maybe guided them to kind of do this, what, oppressive... Uh, the isn't it where it was like space noids that were on Earth that they were oppressing? I don't remember what the what the context of what why they beat up Quest and her friends like. <laughs> yeah, I, they um, didn't really explain it beyond just like maybe just needed to get Quest away. You know, hippies. <laughs> yeah, but then in Hathaway too, they're enforcing. Uh, what are they enforcing? Just. People of lower income or space noids that have are refugees on Earth. That would make sense, I, I think. Yeah, you know, any, of, any of the space noid refugees. Yeah, that's something I never thought about because when there's war and let's say a colony is being destroyed or an attack attacked and people want to escape there and live somewhere else, you might see other colonies would be friendly, but how would Earth be to refugees coming from colonies? And uh, I wonder. We, we see that even as early as. Uh... Even as early as Mobile Suit Gundam in nineteen, or, yeah, in oh, 0079. because yeah. right. you know the refugees that were on White Base had to stay there they, because no one wanted them. Yeah, and and yeah. they even said when they got to Earth, like, 
no, we're going to stay on earth. Like we're not going to, they're, they're not going to send us back to the colonies. And it's like, so, so the people on earth were basically telling people now we, we, we don't want you here, you know, and you actually talked backyard. about that in your episode of dissecting Gundam. Cause I, yeah. I now that yeah, I'm remembering yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that would, that was an interaction that like, it, again, it's one of those like little throwaway interactions. Yeah. You might never consider it because obviously, you know, this is Nozaku boy is a bigger moment in that, in that series. But like, man the the lore development that you get there and then you know fast forward to unicorn and to hathaway's flash and you're still seeing those same remnants of that initial conflict again that goes to how great bandai has been able sunrise slash bandai has been able to kind of like keep integrity i guess or consistency with the storytelling you know throughout yeah. um Wow, I'm glad this was like a therapeutic like Gundam session having live where it's like really connecting more dots of We really oh. made breakthroughs today. That's yeah, we <laughs> did. We certainly did. <laughs> yeah. Um no yeah, that is that is really cool. Um okay, so but then show, even even the even Echo Us, which you know is an organization that had the best of intentions in Uni in Unicorn, they were a great good guy force. Yeah. Eventually doesn't matter if you give somebody that kind of absolute power by the time Hathaway's flash rolls around, they're the man hunters again. And they're, they're, you know, I think I saw it in chat Titans Mark two. That's yeah. So I wonder then if that is going to be expanded on, if anyone knows if there's any manga or any other stories that expands on why the, after the Laplace incidents, you know, incident, why did the Federation or what, was the Federation's next step with wanting to like oppress people on Earth, or maybe it's always been like that, and it's just the Hathaway story is talking on that. That could be because Zeon's not yeah. the threat anymore. It's like now we can focus on kind of the domestic turmoil um, that occurs. Yeah. Um, and it says something that uh, that you know Hathaway turns turns to the dark side, so to speak. It's like mm. you know what is it that that these characters like like Char, you know, going from Ayug to the Neo Zeon, it's like, what happened that he's like, oh, I can't fix Earth. I need to destroy it. You know, and that same could be thing, it. Same thing with Hathaway. Like, I can't fix the people on Earth anymore. I'm gonna become a terrorist. Like, <laughs> you know, that's interesting because that's always been the one thing with with again another reason with Char's counterattack. I sometimes just don't think of it because to me it's kind of a weird. His, the character Quattro and where he was in Zeta was so powerful. Like, and and then yeah. even though he became Shar at the end, like then yeah, by Shar's counterattack, it's like he's going back on this. But if it is that he sees through, okay, if if Zeon d doesn't fight and we try to work with Earth, we still see Earth has domestic issues that are just going to trickle down to the colonies anyway. Where yeah. it's going to be these elite that have money and power will continue to oppress whoever they can so they can keep the status quo. And maybe Char realized that by Char's counterattack, and that's why he's like, "Yeah, let's drop some more stuff on Earth." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, very cool. Um, so FCPO, so Criminal Police Organization. So this is the one that, um, yeah, it's okay for people who illegally stay on Earth. Um, so that's interesting. So it is like refugees or yeah, people trying to escape. Yeah, I guess there's not well, much the information. Federation version of ICE. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. 
So, yeah, very, very interesting that they did that. And I'm curious how much more they're going to dive into that story because it did seem like this first Hathaway movie was the story was more about Hathaway dealing with his past relationships and it affecting. There was a little bit of the world building like when he was in the cab, but it's not like that changed his mind necessarily. It made him think about it. But in the end, he still wanted to go through with his plan. Um, Yeah. So I wonder if, and I've heard that the the sequels are going to be different than the novel. So I wonder if, so for the next movie, if they might open it up more to the world, like the uh, the plot of the world instead of Hathaway um, and uh, Andalusia. Yeah, because the first the first episode really is a reintroduction to Hathaway as a character because you know outside of Shar's counterattack, we don't get to see a lot of him, so we don't really understand you know who he is, and so. You know, like you said, while it's sort of him unpacking and and dealing with some of his past traumas and his issues, it's really us getting to know those issues because we never saw You're right. them. You're right. That That is a good way to put it because it's almost kind of saying the same thing again in a way, but it, it's, yeah, reintroduction that, that helps kind of back his motivations. Um, yeah. So then that makes me wonder when it comes to GBO2, like... I wonder if we're going to get those Hathaway era suits. We're getting stuff from narrative. I mean, okay. I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. Manhunter Jagan. Yes. Where a, where you can have two players. One player is manning the turret inside of the Manhunter. That, that is a good idea. Actually. Like it, it could be a, it could be something where if two, uh, teammates are battling and one has that manhunter they can get out like if their suit's gonna blow up and get into that gun turret and that would be pretty neat yeah. um yeah like oh oh man i've got 15 seconds to deploy because my mobile suit is destroyed i'm just gonna deploy as a pilot and hop in the manhunter and <laughs> like, yeah no that's a good idea um you know and it would that would be a good suit because they i like the idea that they can make it where it would just be a ground suit it obviously wouldn't be space i mean it could but It'd probably be more a ground suit, but also it could be that its skill is when you press the skill button that it has this guy auto firing from the crotch, you know, and then <laughs> um, and and the idea that it could be blown up. So then you lose that, but you still have yeah. your. Yeah, I hope Bandai's listening. If not, I'll email them. Uh, yeah, that is a, that is a sweet <laughs> idea. Um, yeah, but yeah, if if GBO2 also got like the Penelope and the Kasai Gundam, obviously it would be, you know. Would that be 800 cost? Yeah, would those be the first 800s? Because, it, yeah. And just massive. But like, I wonder if, because the Unicorn has the NTD system that still makes it more powerful than the, um, uh, the Penelope. And the Penelope, I mean, I, I was about to say it would only be space, but they do fight in the atmosphere and it does land. But it's not like it did land battles, you know. Yeah, I mean, it would be kind of game-breaking because it's like you think about, um, you know, mobile suits like the Goof flight type that, you know, that's a raid that can hover for yeah. short periods of time. But the Penelope and the Kasai, those with their Minovsky flight systems can just fly. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be neat if yeah we start getting those suits that, and I think this is the same with F-91 and Victory, where those suits are ones that are atmospheric. They can just be in the atmosphere and fight, which is cool. You know, yeah, that might be its own thing. But anyway, enough game talking. We have so many game ideas. We could be our own game studio and just make a bunch of game money. We got to do it yeah. sometime. 
we will yeah, eventually. Yeah, we really should. Yeah. It, it, it's happening. Yeah, it, it, it's happening. It is. Um, well, I think that's about it for the show. I, you know, that's really all I got to talk about today. I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to add or bring up. No, no, this was a fun one. I, like, yeah. I, I learned so much more about ECOWAS as a group, you know. That, I know. And it's stuff that you really can't parse from the series themselves. And you, because you don't really think of it, because a lot of it happens to do with how things are named. And so from that, it's like, oh, does that mean this was their motivation or their intent in this scene? And then it's like, oh, yeah. well, what does that mean? And then, yeah, your dissecting Gundam episode. I remember when you were talking, and I guess I didn't really realize it as much when I was watching the show, but you breaking it down as it's like a refugee situation. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it makes sense. And then Gundam has been able to carry that throughout until the latest entry. So, yeah, I mean, you, I can't even imagine the scale of refugee crisis. You know, I mean, obviously we're experiencing refugee crises yeah. on earth contemporarily, you know, imagine on the scale of Gundam, you know, you might have an entire colony of people that need to be, and, and, and even in Char's counterattack, that's one of the, the core conflicts is it's like, you know, Char says himself, they didn't have enough space on earth to accommodate refugees. So they took two colonies and stuffed them together and put all the people inside. And that's why you have, you know, Sweetwater being such a, yeah. a hodgepodge colony. And, and wasn't that wh why they were just willing to give it to Shar? Wasn't that yeah. the, the case, if I'm not mistaken? It was, yeah, I mean, like, it was, it was yeah. kind of a pit. And, and he, he, he mentions how, like, it's, it's two different types of colony. So they have, like, the closed-type colony and the open-type. So, you know, on one side, it's got the colony mirrors open. And on the other side, I mean, I can imagine, if you can imagine, like, walking from one side of town to the other, and then all of a sudden you're walking into, like, pitch blackness because the colony mirror doesn't reflect to that side. So, like, you're not getting any sunlight on that side of the colony. Well, yeah, let me ask you, what is the difference between an open and closed other than they're physically open and closed? Is it where they, the day-night cycles, one is just based on the rotation because of the mirrors, the other one's just maybe artificial? Yeah, exactly. So the, ah, the closed-type okay. colonies don't have any windows. You can't, like, see space necessarily. Um, they, you know, use artificial light to kind of simulate a day and night cycle. Ah. But the open-type colonies use those giant mirrors that are fanned out and draw sunlight in and reflect it into the windows of the colony. Wow, that's cool, because I did a video about the colonies, but I didn't go into that detail. That's actually pretty cool. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool, and it's one of those things where, like, you know, Tamino gets so much credit for, for Gundam. I like, to, I like to shout out some of the other men that, uh, that helped to write and develop some oh, of the stuff yeah. for Gundam. Is it's like, I mean, even the idea of Minofsky particles, yeah. that wasn't something that Tamino came up with that was the script writer like yeah trying you know. to explain away some of the the way the things would work and i love that yeah i love yeah. getting into the weeds of how well how is this possible how can this be possible and how do we make it realistic yeah that's yeah cool stuff well yeah again thanks for yeah being here anyway you always help really bring and, out the coolest info in these conversations and dude i love being here and i awesome. these are the best kind of conversations so. Yeah, I know. It's great. And thanks to everyone in the chat too. I, you know, I, I appreciate the super chat and, and all the conversation that's going on. If we, if you guys ever want to carry over the conversation, there's that lore channel in the discord. We can continue to talk there because I thought this was some pretty neat stuff. So yeah, we got deep in the weeds on this one. Yeah, I know. I know. That was great. Well, okay. That does, that does just about, I'm really bad with this phrase, but that 
just about does it for today on the Gundam Explained Show. All have a good rest of the day, and we'll talk later.